You're listening to Rhetoric with Shakia, a lighthearted entertainment podcast focused on recaps, reviews, and reactions to reality TV shows, scripted series, movies, and so much more. I'm Shakia, your host, and P.S. I love to use my background in psychology whenever I can to help us discuss certain topics. Cheers to hanging out together and having a good time. Now let's get into it. Hello, 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 and welcome or welcome back to Rhetoric with Shakia. I'm Shakia. And before we jump into the headlines, I want to send my condolences to the families of Harry Belafonte, singer. He was a singer, actor, activist. He passed away this week at the age of 96 from congestive heart failure. And also Jerry Springer. Now listen, many of us, right? <laughs> we're, we're of a particular age. We're part of a, a particular age group. And we probably, when we were home from school, whether it was due to being out sick or it was a holiday, we were probably watching Jerry Springer when we had no business watching the show. Um, but, you know, Jerry was part of the childhood, honey. And um, unfortunately, he also passed away this week at age 79 from pancreatic cancer. And so again, I just want to send my condolences to both of both families during this time. Okay, so let's jump into the headline. There were a few things that happened, honey. A few things that happened. And I was like, hold up, wait a minute. <laughs> so one of them and I know you heard this, but just in case you didn't, um, and I definitely want to hear from you in the comments, let me know your thoughts on this, but uh, Don Lemon, Don Lemon, CNN anchor for 17 years, he was let go this week. CNN and Don have parted ways, okay, after 17 years. Now, apparently there was a lot going on with Don recently, okay? He was in the headlines for issues going on with his co-hosts and then statements he made about, you know, women and their prime and whatnot, or a particular woman in her prime, but I'm not even going to get into all that right now. But anyway, he, he was let go this week from CNN. And the initial response we received from Lemon or from, from Don Lemon um, on Monday, I believe, was a Twitter a Twitter statement. And he said, quote, I was informed this morning by my agent that I have been terminated by CNN. He wrote, I am stunned. After 17 years at CNN, I would have thought that someone in management would have had the decency to tell me directly. At no time was I ever given any indication that I would not be able to continue to do the work I have loved at the network. He goes on to say, it is clear that there are some larger issues at play. With that said, I want to thank my colleagues and the many teams I have worked with for an incredible run. They are the most talented journalists in the business and I wish them all the best, end quote. Mm. 
Mm. Now, CNN, they put out their own statement and they're like, no, no, no. I'll read you their statement. Their statement reads, Don Lemon's statement about this morning's events is inaccurate. The account wrote, um, he was offered an opportunity to meet with management, but instead released a statement on Twitter. Now, since this happened, we also learned that Don, per his contract, that he would, he's looking to receive about $25 million, I believe. But um, I think he is working to get perhaps more money. I don't know on what grounds. I'm not sure of all the details, but it would be it's it, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Will he get the 25 million? Um will he get more than that? Where where will he work next? What type of work will he do? You know a lot of people when he made the switch into daytime doing the doing the daytime um morning show people were like hmm what's going on because generally speaking people you know <laughs> the, the those late night spots are like the coveted spots and morning shows are associated with being more fluff less hard-hitting news etc and so people were questioning people myself included i was like oh that's an interesting move I wonder if there's anything behind that. Now, again, I don't know if there was something behind that, you know, if there was a particular reason or if he just wanted a change. I'm not fully sure about that, but I was curious about that move. Now, in terms of his loss, his, his, he, I think, I believe he's going to, you know, um, further, like, as I said before, his, his claims to get, to receive the 25 million and perhaps something uh, or additional, excuse me, um, additional money as well. Now, per this suit, um, I wonder what claims, right? Like, I wonder what his claims are. I imagine for a company as large as CNN and the one that has been in the business for decades, they would dot their I's and cross their T's before firing him. Now, obviously, things can come up. You know, there may have been some issues going on and and maybe Don Lemon has a, a case. You know, maybe there is a suit. But I would imagine that that CNN would, as I said before, dot their I's and cross their T's. Now, in addition to Don Lemon being fired, guess who else was also fired this week? Just in case you are not aware, just in case Tucker Carlson. Now, he he's from Fox. And he replaced uh, Bill O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly, back in 2016, I believe, after Riley was fired. Um, I think after a sexual harassment investigation. But Carlson had been with the network um, even prior to that. He would come on, you know, uh, consult and, and um, was in co a commentator, things like that. But he he had worked as this host as a host for I believe the past seven years so according to an article in USA Today network spokespersons didn't respond to a request to elaborate on the reasons for his departure but it quickly followed last week's multi-million dollar payment Fox agreed to make to settle a lawsuit with Dominion voting systems Y'all remember hearing about that? I didn't cover it on 
the show, but it definitely was all over the news. Um, Dominion Sue accused Fox News of recklessly airing false election claims and conspiracy theories following the 2020 presidential election with Carlson's revealed text messages front and center, front and center in the case. So y'all think that had something to do with <laughs> with him being let go? Now, listen, y'all can follow. You can check out CNN. You can check out USA Today. You can check out essentially all these sites because they are covering the, the firing of Don Lemon and also Tucker Carlson. And I honestly, hearing about these things, I'm not even going into detail with what might be the case and, and, and what it isn't and things like that. What stands out for me to just be 100% is the fact that there, <laughs> the thing that plays in my head is like, these ain't loyal, right? Like, you can give 17 years of your life. You can give seven years. I was reading an article with Carlson about Tucker, Tucker Carlson, who said, you know, this will be the first time in seven years, I believe, that he'll be able to have dinner at home with his wife on a weeknight. You give up these aspects. You make sacrifices. And still, that's not enough to keep you around. So if you are in a, if you have a situation going on, right? If you, there's an illness and you get sick and you can't come back to work for a period of time, or if there are allegations made about you, these companies will let you go. They will let you go. Because for them, this is a business. This is their business. And it's interesting because Tucker Carlson, from what I've read, he was like the standout star on Fox. His show apparently generated high ratings. So I am curious why he was let go. I wonder if it does have anything to do with the settlement that involved his uh, text message. What do you think? Let me know in the comments. What do you think about the fire, about Tucker Carlson being fired from Fox News and Don Lemon being fired from CNN? Again, these are major corporations. For them, I'm sure it's more about the bottom line. It's more about the image. It's more about the money. It's about profits versus people. And that's just my opinion because usually that's how it is. And even if you don't work for a, a corporation as large as Fox News or CNN, same thing with these companies. They're not gonna look out for you the way you look out for them. You show up every day, you work hard, you go above and beyond, you don't even take your vacation days. And then when something comes up, they'll be like, oh, okay, sorry, it's not personal, gotta let you go. I say all that to say, listen, I was talking to somebody recently who struggles to take vacation. You know, I have I know people who won't take their vacation, they have vacation days and they won't take them. You better take them things. What? First of all, you're leaving money on the table. Take your vacation days, people. Those companies, they will run. They will not fall apart. Okay, anyway, moving on, because I could keep talking about that all day. Y'all better take y'all vacation days sitting around talking about, no, absolutely not. Now, listen, 
also in the news this week. This came as a surprise to me. When I heard about this next story, I was like, what? What? I wouldn't even put these words together in a sentence, but check this out. Fuji's member, now I know you know the Fuji's. If you're my people, if you are my people, Meaning if we like the same things, if, you, if you've been vibing with the this podcast over the, the last few weeks, then I know you're my people. And, and because of that, I know you know the Fugees. I know you've heard of them. Well, member, Fuji's member, Praz Michelle, Praz Michelle, he was found guilty this week in federal courts. He was found guilty in federal courts. On Wednesday of 10 criminal counts related to an international conspiracy reaching the highest levels of the US of the US government, according to an article on CNN. What? Grammy-winning artist, producer, what? Y'all, he faces up to 20 years in prison. Now, at this time, no sentencing uh, date was set, but that's the next step because, again, he was found guilty. So apparently, he had a relationship, a friendship with Malaysian businessman uh, Joe Lowe and the Chinese. Well, he had he had a relationship with Malaysian businessman Joe Lowe. I believe they met in like 20, oh man, I, I saw it in the article, um, somewhere in the, in, in the two, in the 2000s, <laughs> he, they met, was it, it was either 2017 or, no, 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 it wasn't 2017, it was before that, let me see, let me see, when did they meet? 2017. I know it wasn't 2017. They met in 20, 20, uh, 2006. Excuse me. They met in 2006 at a Manhattan nightclub. Okay. And Lowe, um, according to Michelle, he said that he said that Lowe bought bottles of champagne for everyone in the club and flashed his wealth. And then years later, as then President Barack Obama ran for re-elections, this is coming from an article on CBS News. Um, as then President Barack Obama ran for re-election, prosecutors alleged Lowe paid Michelle $20 million to develop a scheme by which Lowe's foreign wealth could be illegally funneled into the Obama campaign through straw donors and political committees. Oh my goodness. That is just insane. So he did testify. He did testify. Proz did testify. And he said that, you know, he was paid $20 million in 2012 in order to get a picture of himself with Obama. I'm sorry. He testified that Lowe paid him $20 million in 2012 in order to get a picture of himself with Obama. And prosecutors allege that Mitchell, that Michelle funneled over $800,000 of that money to Obama's campaign through a number of straw donors. But his he testified and he's like, look, 
I took this money and I thought I could just do what I want with this money. I didn't know I was breaking any laws. He's saying that he was advised by an attorney and he wishes that he didn't take that advice, that he could have met with somebody else. Mm -mm. He testified he's, he only tried to help Lo find an attorney in the U.S. and only told authorities about um, someone else. Um, so a, a, a person who they wanted to be released on behalf of the Chinese government, right? They wanted to extradite this other person, um, this this uh, this uh, dissident, they wanted to extradite him on behalf of the Chinese government. And so Michelle is saying he only told authorities about that person because he thought he was a criminal. He said the um, $100 million was for a media business he was starting an investment wasn't from low so this is another like lump sum of money the prosecutor said that low directed over a hundred million dollars to michelle to help push government to help push the government including trump to drop its investigation into him mm -mm. that's a lot that's a lot going on well this isn't over. This case isn't over because his attorney, Praz's attorney, said they are going to uh, appeal. They're going to appeal this case. So it's not over. This isn't the last we've heard of this. But at this time, he is, Pras Michelle is, oh my God, he is facing up to 20 years in prison. What are your thoughts about this? Is this something you thought we would be talking about from this particular person he's usually behind the scenes when we think of the fujis who who comes to mind first who who we know who comes to mind first. not saying you know not taking anything away from this this man and his talents because he's talented like we know this he he's produced um, you know great songs and hits so not taking anything away from him i'm just saying in terms of like being in front of the camera who who we hear more about it's usually not him so i'm just really shocked at this i am really shocked by this what are your thoughts what are your thoughts i would love to hear from you let me know in the comments all right so our next story talk about being shocked i was shocked by this story <laughs> I was shocked by this story. So this story, it, you can find it uh, in the Daily Mail or on thedailymail.com. This story is about this woman, Beverly Gilmore. And Beverly claims that she suffers near-death experiences about three times a month. Now, according to Beverly, she said she met G's, Walt Disney, and family members, her dad included. She calls them her out-of-body episode. Okay, so listen, something you may not know about me is that I am definitely a girl. I, I think I've said that before, so I love to talk like manifestation. But in terms of spirituality, I love to talk about like your death experiences and who'd you meet and what lessons were you taught and when you got back, what was the message that God had for us? Like, what are we supposed to be doing here? Because sometimes life is hard. You need a little boost. 
you need some help. I love to talk about reincarnation, ancient civilizations. So we might be getting some episodes on this uh, down the line because I definitely am into this topic. Now, Beverly, she, she apparently had a traumatic brain injury when she was in her 20s. And after suffering this traumatic brain injury, she claimed to have met Walt Disney during one of these out-of-body experiences. And she's saying, look, this is real life for her. This is not some sci-fi flick. This is not a hoax. She says this is her experience. Okay, so she said she developed a, quote, private relationship with Jesus since her first bizarre rendezvous in the 80s. And I believe she says she's not religious. So that's cool, right? If you could meet Jesus, whether or not you believe that he is the, the, the savior and all that, whether or not you are religious, if you could meet Jesus, what would you say? What would you ask him? I'm not religious, but I would definitely enjoy meeting him to ask him some things, honey. Like, uh, can you run me those Powerball numbers? No, just kidding. <laughs> But I, but I would love to have a conversation. I think that would be pretty cool. Obviously, if I could also, you know, talk with people who have passed on, I would love to talk with certain family members who I miss every single day. I would love to be able to talk to them. So, you know, back to Beverly over here. She claims that doctors have diagnosed her with a disorder of consciousness. And a disorder of consciousness is where the consciousness, consciousness has been affected by damage to the brain. Remember, she had a TBI, traumatic brain injury in her 20s. Um, and the, the main disorders of consciousness are coma and vegetative state. So if you're a coma in a coma, the person shows no signs of being awake and no signs of being aware. When they're in a the vegetative state, the person is awake, but is showing no signs of awareness. So she was diagnosed with a disorder of consciousness and she's been having these out-of-body experiences and now she's she's a research enthusiast. So she's going to be working with a research team to figure out what is going on. What is going on? Because there are no exact causes of the disorder of consciousness or, or her, her specific experience. But she claims that during them, during these experiences, during these episodes, she can feel her heart stopping and her body slowly starting to shut down. And remember, she said that she experienced this about three times a month and that this has been happening for years. Could you imagine what this must be like physically and mentally, emotionally? That, that has to be a lot. To, to, you know what I mean? What do you think? What, what are your thoughts about this? <sighs> she also says, I've brought back things and then I will go into a trance and start writing. The self-proclaimed spiritualist described her relationship with Jesus as, quote, private. Okay. So I guess that means she's not going to tell us what he told her. <laughs> she's not going to give us no secrets, I guess. Um... Again, she also says she had interactions with Walt Disney, who died in 1966 in California. Quote, he was showing stories. And when I met him, she said, there was an amazing building 
and the wood felt alive and well-preserved. When I came back, I would go back into a trance and write down his stories and draw pictures of everything he has shown me. He showed me these characters and I became one of his characters and lived out one of his stories. I would sit and listen to him and he would appear with these characters and he would tell me the names of these characters and their personalities and what they did in life, where they come from and their origin. She also mentioned that she spoke with her deceased father who died in his 50s from cirrhosis of the liver after suffering from alcoholism. She said the first time I met him, he looked 52, which was when he died. The second time I met him, he looked about 30. He looked so happy and so radiant. I was so proud that he was my dad. And when I came back and I was so proud that he was my dad when I came back from that. Ah, she says when she came out of it, she was like, oh, dad, no lottery numbers. That's what I'm saying. Like, show me the numbers. <laughs> show me the money. Not saying that life is only about money. But, you know, it's nice to have a little extra. Why not? You gonna show me something. Show me, <laughs> show me something. Okay. So anyway, she's an aspiring researcher. And she said her experiences do not always make sense at first. And it can take some time afterwards to understand. I would be interested to hear or to learn what happens as a result of the research study she's going to take part in. I do think it's fascinating whenever I hear about the, the um, near-death experiences or even the reincarnation stories. I am very fascinated by this. I am so fascinated. You know, growing up, I grew up, um, I grew up in the Christian faith and Talking about reincarnation is frowned upon. Like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't reincarnate. Uh-uh. But other cultures and other religions believe people do. Well, you know what? I'm, I, I feel myself about to go on a long tangent. And so I'm going to pull this one back. Maybe I'll save it for another show. But my point is, I am open to all these different ideas. And I just take what resonates and I leave the rest. And that's what I share with people. Like, take what resonates and leave the rest. For me, I think it is a possibility of having these near-death experiences and connecting with something greater than ourselves. I also think that, you know, why not? Why, why is it so frowned upon or so absurd to think that we, that we reincarnate? Like, to be honest, none of us know for sure. Even the people who have these near-death experiences, we don't know for sure, like, what's going on. You know what I mean? So why not? And if it's something that helps you with knowing at some point we're going to make this transition, we're going to make this journey, it's a comforting thought for me, at least, the idea of like reincarnation. What are your thoughts? And what was it like for you growing up? Was that something like you all frowned upon or maybe because of your, um, you know, spiritual beliefs and faith that it was something that was embraced? I'd love to hear from you. What do you think about reincarnation? Nonetheless, if you want to read the full article, check out dailymail.com. You can read that article. You can read the full story there. I think it's interesting. Maybe I'll do more episodes about some of the more spiritual woo-woo things. Because again, it's fascinating. Oh, and when we talk about like the ancient civilizations, y'all gonna be like, oh, Shakira, I don't know. <laughs> but you know, if you're with me, you're with me. Now listen, talking about 
reincarnation and coming back and all that. We're going to talk about the next story because one person, he is creating so many lives here that I don't know if he will come back. I don't know if he needs to come back or, or if he needs to, you know, expand a legacy throughout different lifetimes. I don't know. Now, check this out. And that was probably a terrible transition, but that's okay. <laughs> that is okay. Um, check this out. So there is this man. Oh my goodness, y'all. There's this man. He's 41 years old, okay? His name is Jonathan Meher. Meher? I'm going to go with Meher. And he's Dutch. Now, why are we talking about him? Because this dude fathered up to 600 children around the world. He fathered so many children in so many places that he was ordered by the court, by the Dutch court, to stop donating sperm. You can't make this stuff up. You can't. Remember that movie? That movie that came out a few, well, a number of years ago at this point, uh, where the guy, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the name and the actor, and I know him. Well, I don't know him, but I've seen his, seen his work. But the guy, he, he fathered, what, like a hundred kids or something, and... I think two of them may have gotten together, didn't know they were related. But anyway, this is a real story. So that was a movie and that was troubling to think about. But this is a real life story where this guy fathered up 600 children all over the freaking world. So much so that he was ordered again to stop donating his sperm. He was ordered to stop donating his sperm. And if he is found to, <laughs> to make deposits, to make donations, he could be fined up to 100,000 euros per infraction. Oh my goodness. He was also ordered to write to clinics abroad asking them to destroy any of his semen they have in stock, except doses reserved for parents who already had children by him. Now, this decision, according to the article on the DailyMail.com, this decision came after a civil case was started by a foundation representing the interests of donor children and Dutch parents who had used him as a donor. Oh, my goodness. They argued that Mr. Meher's continued donations violated the right to a private life of his donor children whose ability to form romantic relationships are hampered by fair fears of accidental incest and inbreeding. Uh, yeah, because he's fathered so many children literally in multiple countries. So uh, apparently his mass donations first came to light in 2017 and he was banned from donating to Dutch fertility clinics where he had already fathered over a hundred children. Oh my goodness. So he was banned from Dutch fertility clinics, but then he started doing private donations. And he told one couple who were, they were working to have a, a child, um, the woman and her partner, her wife, they, they were looking to have a child. And he told them that he fathered only about 14 or 15 children when that wasn't true. 
and then he continued to donate abroad. This is, oh my goodness, what is going on that now? What's going on that he is doing this so much? Now, y'all thought it was an issue with Nick Cannon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because Nick Cannon is starting his own like tribe, his own village, his own sports team. This dude, he is definitely starting his own tribe. And I'm like, tribe. And I'm like, why? What's what is really going on that you feel the need to keep donating and to father all these kids in all these places? I want to know what's going on in his psyche, because clearly there is something going on. I want to know what's motivating this behavior. What, what do you think it could be? What do you think could drive a person to lie about the donations? Because that's how he was getting away with some things, lying about how many times, you know, he donated and, and, and all that jazz. But, oh my goodness. Okay, so the article also states he violates the agreements with the clinic and with the prospective parents because they trusted his promise that he would father a maximum of 25 children because you're only allowed to father 25 children. Oh my goodness. And this man fathered oh, like over 600. Oh dear. What is, I, I, I just, I really am, I'm curious what is going on. But yeah, he told the other couple, he told the couple that he met with privately that he wasn't doing this for money. He didn't ask them for money. Um, well, he, he didn't ask for a fee, but he said he just wanted to help. And they believed him. He said he had helped to create just 14 or 15 other children. Again, that was not true. However, they later found out the truth about how many children he has fathered, and that it shocked them to the core. Julia and her wife said they remain convinced that he is at heart a nice guy. But he just got some issues. <laughs> he might be addicted to having children. I really am interested in learning more about him. Like, what's going on? You know, what's what what is going on with with him that he thinks that this is okay? Again, according to the article, this far out exceeds. So the number of children he's fathered far out. Uh, oh, excuse me, far exceeds the legal limit in the Netherlands, which permits donors to father 25 children by up to 12 different women. And even then, that's a lot, but it's better than 600. It is better than 600. And you know, again, the people, the, the children now, they fear dating a sibling because there are so many of them in different countries. So it's like you're not even safe if you go to a different country. Mm, 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 mm. This is so interesting to me. It really is. He would make private arrangements over the internet where sperm donation is completely unregulated. Again, what do you think about this particular story? Ah. Oh. And what do you think is going on with him? I want to know. I want to know. Okay, moving on to what is going on with people. Now, Jonathan Majors, I'm sure you probably have heard about this story. 
where he was arrested temporarily and you know he was arrested he was released but they said that he like assaulted this woman who i guess is his girlfriend um i really wasn't following this story to be honest but i did see recently or this past week that he that his ex-girlfriend was granted a full temporary restraining order as manhattan da investigates assault claim so what's up now he still says he is innocent but if 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 a um restraining order was granted there are grounds for that right so what was going on where the restraining order was granted i i don't know like i said i wasn't really following this closely but the his ex-girlfriend was granted a limited uh, temporary order of protection during his arraignment in march oh maybe that's why and then he what he's due back in court may 9th now he still denies any wrongdoing and the Manhattan District Attorney's Office had not made any public comments regarding the case until this latest development. You can also check this article out on, oh, today, I guess I'm, I'm just the Daily Mail girl today. You can also check this article out for more details on thedailymail.com. Huh. According to the NYPD, the incident involved, so remember the incident that he was arrested for uh, on March 25th, involved a 30-year-old woman who alleged she had been assaulted by him. I really hope this isn't true. I, I just, come on, dude. I really hope this isn't true. Ugh. And I hope obviously the woman is okay and she's getting the reason she's able to utilize resources and things like that if this is in fact true. But even I was when I did read uh, a glance at the article and, you know, they talk about the text messages that's going to exonerate him. The text message also seemed a little sketch because the woman was blaming herself. It's my fault. I, now, not saying that it couldn't been right because sometimes things happen, but like. The way the text the text messages were written, it just felt oh very cringe. Like no, you know if uh, if you've been in a in an abusive relationship before, you worked with people who experienced domestic violence. Like that's kind of how those text messages were to me. Now again, I don't know what happened for sure. I guess we'll find out if they go to trial, things like that. So allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. But I just thought it was really interesting how the text messages were written and yeah i'm i don't know but uh, jonathan majors he was on the come up in different movies like he was really on the come up and at this point you know his team had dropped him i think it was what his pr team his management team publicist things like that um so he oh we'll see how this plays out i'm gonna just sit this one right here for now We'll see how this plays out. Because I, I don't know, child. <laughs> uh-uh. I don't know. Now, something else I also don't know about is this app, Timo. You heard about this app? It's like the... I, it's... it's. They have a lot of non-expensive things on this app. So it's like... Uh, I don't know. I want to say cheaper version of Shein. But I, I don't know. But I'm saying I don't know because I don't I don't want to sound 
snooty maybe is that the word <laughs> but i mean it is what it is if you go on the app you'll see that timo has a lot of inexpensive items and it, oh you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of a wish y'all remember that i don't know if wish is still if people still use it but oh my goodness my nana my nana she passed away recently she used to love that wish app Y'all, when she found out how to use it and how to like connect her, her payment information, she was going ham on this app. And I was like, Nana, you cannot be ordering this stuff, Nana. You can't. And Timo reminds me of Wish. Oh my gosh, she would have gotten a kick out of Timo because the stuff is so cheap. But anyway, cybersecurity expert warns it's not the bargain you want. Coupon codes aside, they say you might want to rethink this app. You might want to rethink using this app. This story comes from USA Today. Listen, and this this article came out earlier in the in the month of April. But apparently, and so look, let me back up. Everybody's talking, or people were talking about Timo because again, the stuff is so cheap, and so you could find earbuds and jewelry and clothes wedding dresses and gadgets actually i have a niece who <laughs> i have a niece who created an account okay and she ordered oh, y'all she ordered so many things from this app because she's like auntie it's so cheap and she's like i'm just gonna do one order i'm gonna get a few things and i'm gonna see if it's a scam i'm gonna see if they send me the right stuff because you could get some stuff but it may not be what you ordered now most of the stuff she got it was what she ordered except for one thing it was so tiny <laughs> it was so tiny <laughs> it was so small she was like what am i gonna do with this but anyway this app um is tied to china just like a few other apps you know this app is tied to china and according to the article they found that emo is based in boston boston by pdd holdings inc and pdd is headquartered in shanghai shanghai and pdd also owns the e-commerce platform pinduoduo headquartered in china right now I, I don't know if you've heard about what was going on with that app Pinduo duo but if you didn't essentially they can collect like all your information so much information okay we'll get we'll get to that we'll get to that so according to the article over 50 million americans have downloaded Timo since it launched in september 2022 apparently they had this expensive Super Bowl ad promising to let you quote shop like a billionaire. Well, I guess because if things cost 60 cents and 80 cents and $17, heck yeah, you're gonna be shopping like a millionaire. Cause you're gonna be like, oh, that's all? My whole order came to $45. It ain't no worries, it ain't no thing. <laughs> but anyway, you, um, according to the article, it reads, first you're buying goods directly from manufacturers in China and other parts of the world. That's why the shipping times often uh, much longer than on other sites like Amazon, okay? Where it could take anyway from a week to 12 days. But here is what we are really looking at. We're looking at why this app may not be 
safe to use why it may not be helpful well it's because it wants to capture information from your phone according to the article so most most apps out there want as much as you'll give them isn't that the truth as much as you'll give up but considering and this is from the article considering its ties to communist china the permissions seem even more frightening to me the app collects your info you provide your name your address your phone number details you enter such as your birthday photos social media profiles your phone or computer's operating system and version your ip address gps location if you allow it browsing data now why is this an issue well it's an issue because if they can gather all uh, if they can gather all of this information about you right from third party sources including timo sellers public records social media data brokers credit bureaus marketing partners that is dangerous what are they doing what are they doing with all this information and again according to the article if we go back to pen duo duo owned by the same company as timo cybersecurity researchers found it wasn't just tracking device info and activity malicious code allow it to bypass cell phone security settings to spy on other apps read notifications and messages and even change settings ah uh-uh. so if that's happening with one of the companies owned by the same parent company as timo then is this also happening with happening with timo Pinduoduo duo gains full access to all your contacts calendars and photo album plus all of your social media accounts apps and texts now i heard and i'm i won't get too much into this but i heard about this company and and how they were using this information in china and that is scary because that could be happening to us too i mean that's messed up i mean it's messed up that it's happening to you know the people over there and 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 china but It also mess up if that happens to us. Ah, we don't live in China. I don't I want to take my information and spy on me. No, 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 no. So, if you according to the article, they have a pro tip. They said they write, if you download it in Duo Duo, you really need to do a full factory reset on your smartphone to wipe out any remaining code or tracking. So, if you want to delete the app, if you're like, "Hmm, don't trust it, not cool," and you want to delete the app from your phone, which is what the article suggests, they suggest you delete it from your phone ASAP. But they say you also need to do a full factory reset on your phone to wipe out any remaining coding or tracking. So, I'm not even going to put Team Walmart on my phone. Uh-uh. I don't I don't like this. I don't like any of it. Any of it. What are your thoughts about Team Walmart? Do you think it's worth it? You're like, oh. are you thinking, "Oh, well maybe this doesn't matter. This 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 isn't for real. Who cares? I care." <laughs> You're thinking, "Who cares?" I don't know. Maybe you should do a little more digging and see for yourself whether or not it is something that you feel is safe to use. I think I'm going to pass on this one and I won't download it. I don't care how many coupon codes you give me. I don't care how many contests I can enter to win a free item. I don't care how cheap it is. I think I'm going to sit this one out. How about you? What say you? Okay. Moving on to our next 
story, we are talking, we're going to talk about, well, there's an article regarding early signs that may help predict ADHD risk. I wanted to bring this up because I noticed I'm scrolling on Facebook. Yeah, I still scroll on Facebook from time to time and and or YouTube short, even though I had a Oh, I'm not really feeling YouTube. I'll tell y'all about that, but I'm not feeling them. So I try to not use them as much, <laughs> but every once in a while, you know, during breaks and stuff, I might be scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Anyway, my point is I see so many videos and short and reels about ADHD. People who have ADHD diagnosed and undiagnosed and they're saying they're giving you signs of ADHD. And here is where the concern is. Because now people are gonna just self-diagnose. They may not go to see a professional who can actually diagnose. Because maybe you don't have ADHD, it could be something else. But you don't know. Because some of what we do, some of what we see in the videos, it can, it can, you can be experiencing those things because of something else. But you wouldn't know that from the video because you didn't meet with a, a practitioner, a, cl a clinician to, to be diagnosed, right? So again, the videos aren't all bad because it's bringing awareness. I just, I've seen so many of them and I guess because you watch one and then they'll keep popping up because of the algorithm. Uh, so I will continue to see them, I suppose. But anyway, my point is, I just want people to be mindful that just because you see something that you can identify with, it doesn't automatically mean you have that particular illness or disorder. Because then I saw some medical videos, child. I'm like, come on, y'all just don't diagnose yourselves with everything. It reminds me when you're when I was an undergrad and I was in my um, abnormal psychology class, and the first thing my professor said was, "Do not diagnose yourself." We're going to be talking about a lot of disorders and you're going to be like, oh, that sounds like me. Oh, that's and then you're going to diagnose yourself with everything. And let me tell you, that is what happened. <laughs> Most of us definitely diagnose ourselves with some things. But the idea is if you truly feel that you might be experiencing a certain mental health condition or a medical illness, go to a professional. OK, all right. Now that that part is out of the way. There was an article, or there is an article, this article, um, it hit sciencedaily.com early April, but I still wanted to talk about it again, just because I've seen the surge of videos and where adults are being diagnosed with ADHD. And ADHD is Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, formerly known as ADD, Attention Deficit Disorder. So anyway... There's a study published in Development in Psychopathology, which examined data from almost 10,000 children and children in the United States, showing information about pregnancy and birth may help to predict the extent of ADHD symptoms in childhood. Children were enrolled to the study at age nine through 10, and their parents were asked about aspects of the pregnancy and birth, as well as their child's current mental health. The RCSI researchers identified about 40 factors that would typically be known by birth, including the sex of the baby, the age of the parents, any complications during pregnancy or delivery, and the baby's exposure in the womb to factors such as cigarette smoke. smoke. 
Using machine learning and statistical techniques, the researchers found that 17 out of the 40 factors were particularly good at predicting the number of ADHD symptoms in childhood. So they're getting closer. And according to the article, the article reads, quote, we know that certain events during our time in the womb can have long lasting consequences for our health, but not many studies have tried to quantify just how useful prenatal information could be to predicting childhood ADHD symptoms. We focused on readily available information about pregnancies and births, the kind that would be um, in record, the, this ensures, excuse me, ensures our results can be compared to other studies using medical records and that they are relevant to public health. You know, doing when in mental health, when we do an intake assessment or a biopsychosocial assessment, especially with children, we typically will always ask about the pregnancy. We'll ask the parent. Obviously, the child's not going to know. We'll ask the parent, how did their pregnancy go? Were there any complications? What, you know, did the parent engage in any substance use when while they were pregnant? Um, what, did they smoke cigarettes? Just different things like that. Because we do need to know if the child was exposed to anything. We also ask about genetic factors or um, familial, uh, uh, familial history as well, right? So... So you gather a lot of information about the history of not just the client, but the family as well. So it makes sense that this study is looking at what's going on while the person is pregnant, while the woman is pregnant, right? So even before she gives birth, what was the child exposed to? What was the baby exposed to while in the womb? I think that's awesome that they're actually, you know, doing more research about this. So, according to the article, um, Professor, Professor Mary Cannon, Professor of Psychiatric Epidemiology and Youth Mental Health at RCSI and study co-lead commented, while we only explain up to 10% of the variation in childhood ADHD symptoms, this was the information typically available at birth. We cannot predict who will develop ADHD in childhood with birth information alone, but it may help identify which children are most in need of support, particularly when combined with other factors like genetics or family history, which is what I was getting at earlier, and the early life environment. Factors that, factors that stood out in the study as being useful in predicting ADHD symptoms in childhood, including, it included, excuse me, being male, as well as exposure to factors when in the womb, such as, again, cigarette smoke, recreational drugs, and the mother having urinary tract infections or low levels of iron. So this is all very interesting, very, very interesting. And I can't wait to see where the research takes us. This article, I believe, was originally, originally published again in the journal um, of development in psychopathology in 2023, as I said before, so earlier in er earlier this month of April, the month of April. Um, but yeah, I would be interested in seeing where the research takes us and how we can continue to develop 
ways of predicting, you know, making the information more specific and, and things like that. But I did find that I did find this article was interesting. Let me know what your thoughts are. Let me know what your thoughts are. Listen, our next story. Hmm. I debated on talking about this, to be honest. Um, and I debated it because oh, it's just it's a sad story. And it, it's sad not for the person who is deceased now, but it's sad for the child who was murdered. And um, listen, if you grew up in America, you took American history nine times out of 10, you know who Emmett Till is, okay? And recently there've been multiple movies made about this young teenager who died because of a lie, because of a lie. So let's get into it. <sighs> Carolyn Bryant, at the time, she was Carolyn Bryant, but now she's Carolyn Bryant Dunham. And she was the woman who's white, who accused Emmett Till, who at the time was 14, of whistling at her. And this was in 1955. And because of her accusation, Emmett Till was lynched, brutally murdered in Mississippi. And guess what? Those who are responsible for his murder, oh, justice was justice was never served. And including this woman too. I almost called her something else. Including this woman, Carolyn Bryant. Justice was never, ever served. So anyway, she died on Tuesday. She, she was 88. 88. So she got to live a long life. She got to have a life. And that baby who was 14 did not. Ugh. Anyway, according to Malik Shabazz, um, this, art, this article comes from CNN.com. According to Malik Shabazz with Black Lawyers for Justice, he said in a statement, Carolyn Bryant's death brings a conclusion to a painful chapter for, Emmett, for the Emmett Till family and for Black people in America. The tragic part about Bryant's death was that she never, she was never held accountable for her role in the death of young Emmett Till, who is the martyr for the civil rights movement. So again, in 19, in August 1955, Emmett Till, 14 years old, he was beaten, he was shot to death after allegedly whistling at Carolyn Bryant, now Dunham. So later her husband, Roy Bryant, and J.W. Millam took Emmett from his bed. Because remember, they used to do that, right? Shoot, in some regards, they still do that now, but we're not even gonna go there today. We're not gonna go there today. <sighs> this is why I was debating on this because it, it's very frustrating, you know? And to be clear, I'm not one of these race-baiting podcasts. I'm not about that. But when something calls for justice, it calls for justice, okay? So anyway. Uh, so her husband, Roy Bryant, and J.W. Millam took Emmett from his bed and ordered him into the back of a pickup truck and beat him before shooting him in the head and tossing his body into the river. The river. I remember learning about this in school and I just couldn't imagine. 
I couldn't imagine grown men doing this to a child, all because this heifer said that he whistled at her. Because he whistled at her. So you beat and mutilate this child. But okay, I'm going to stay on task here. Mm. Now, they were both, they being Roy Bryant and J.W. Millam, they were both acquitted of murder by an all-white jury following a trial in which Carolyn Bryant testified that Emmett grabbed and verbally threatened her. Okay, believe. Millam, who died in 1980, and Bryant, who died in 1994, admitted to the killing in a 1956 interview with Look Magazine. Again, this was no secret on who did it and what happened. We all know who the parties were, who, right? The, the parties who were involved, and nothing happened. Nothing happened. A grand jury back in 2007 in Mississippi declined to indict Carolyn Bryant Dunham on any charges. But anyway, yeah, she died on Tuesday. And I believe a few years ago, she came out with a deathbed confession, right? And so people, I think, like, were looking for her, showed up at her house. And they're like, some people were like, oh, she's so old. No, 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 no. While she was alive and still breathing, she should have been held accountable. She should have been held accountable. Charge her, indict her, lock her up. That's where she should have spent her, her last days. That is where she should have spent her last days. But anyway, um... So, yeah, the woman who led to the brutal murdering of 14-year-old Emmett Till has died. She died this Okay, well, moving on. Let me know what you thought about the stories today. Um, let me know. Yeah, let me know in the comments. What did you think about these stories? We talked about a number of things on today's show. So I definitely want to hear from you. What did you think? What did you think? What did you think? There was a lot going on this week. <laughs> there was a lot going on this week. Also, I am going to be doing, I'm going to do a, a separate episode about some of the shows I've been watching. And, um, and one of them, I don't know if you've watched Dead Ringers on Amazon, but if you have, I'm going to do a quick recap and review of that show because how can you not watch it and and how can you watch it and not talk about it oh my goodness so definitely stay tuned that episode will air within the next days and we'll take it from there we'll take it from there but again let me know what your thoughts are about the stories that we discussed during today's episode i would love to hear from you whether you are listening live or on the replay let me know i want to hear from you and thank you so much for hanging out with me thank you so much i appreciate it if you enjoyed this podcast you enjoyed this episode and if you enjoy the podcast overall rhetoric with Shakia, then do me a favor share it follow subscribe i go live on podbean come and hang out with me i would really appreciate it so again thank you so 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 much for hanging out with me thank you so much for hanging out with me i appreciate you i'm so glad you're here whether you're listening live or on the replay. This is Rhetoric with Shakia. I'm Shakia. I hope you come on back 
But until then, bye for now.